Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast Book Club and this is our Summer Reads episode. So our book clubbers are all here. We have two of them in the studio, Anne Ingle, you're welcome, and Bernice Harrison. And then we have Neve Toey on Zoom. You're very welcome, Neve, as well. And we're just going to basically talk through some of our books that we have either brought on holiday with us or that we would recommend that you bring on your holidays. And we did have a big uh, Irish Times spread I think Anna Carey did it with all these books that you can read. So there's loads there if you check out the Irish Times. If you go to the, in the last week, you can read all those recommendations. But ours will be maybe a bit different. And we hope that they'll help you when you're in the bookshop and you're um, going off on your holidays. Because for me, and I know for all of you who listen to this book club, the books that you bring on your holiday is so important in terms of your enjoyment because there's nothing better than just lying back with a great book in a lovely environment and uh, letting it transport you. So... I thought we'd start with you, Bernice, okay. if that's okay. Yeah. Um, we, we all decided to pick three. Um, yeah. what, were you, what was your first one? Okay, well, um, these three books that I picked, I, you just want the first one but at the minute, but these three that I picked are genuine holiday reads because I was away for a week's holiday in May and these are the books I read. Okay. So, my first book is called The Guest by Emma Klein. Now, do you remember reading her book, The Girls, in 2016? Oh, yeah. It was about the cult, kind of based on the... Ma- yeah. In LA, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, this is called The Guest. And we meet the central protagonist very early. It's set in Long Island. The central girl, she's Alex, she's 22. She's at Escort in New York City. Ooh. And she's a bit down her luck. It, it hasn't really worked out. The escorting hasn't really worked out for her. And she's kind of a grifter. She's looking for her, a main chance. And she really does need to get out of the city pretty urgently because she's stolen money from a client. And she specialises in kind of hooking up with, with wealthy older guys. And anyway, in a bar, just as she needs to leave town, she hits pay dirt. She meets Simon. Simon's this rich guy. He's 30 years older than her. And he says, hey, you know, I'm going out of the city, which we understand, of course, to mean New York. Uh, he's going to his beach house for the month of August. And would she like to come? And of course she would. That's fantastic. That ticks a lot of boxes for her. She's going to be looked after by this older man. She's going to get out of the city where this other guy is, is trying to hunt her down to get his money back. So off she goes. And then... They're about two weeks into the into August. She makes a mistake. She 
she kind of, they're at a party and the parties are very dull. It's kind of like the Hamptons, actually. That's what the setup is. It, it's not named, but you sort of think it's the Hamptons. It's these really, really wealthy people in these extraordinary beach houses. And like nobody bats an eyelid that Simon has this young woman, random 22-year-old woman, because obviously, you know, they uh, a number of the people have these sort of strange arrangements and Simon would have brought another woman there before and all that. And so she knows she's kind of disposable in this setup sort of. But anyway, she makes a mistake. Uh, she's at a party. There's a younger guy there. They end up falling into the pool. Simon And Simon, anyway, basically throws her out. And he throws her out with nothing. She has a bag. That's all she has. That is all she has to her name. So what she, what her plan is, because she's always planning, she's always scheming, she's always thinking, hmm, now what to do? So she figures out if I could just last another week till Labor Day. Simon has a really big party every year. As soon as I walk into that party, he'll fall in love with me again and all will be well. So she's got a week to fill and that is the structure of this novel. So she's kind of trying to live with her wits about her all in Long Island, all in this sort of milieu, this really extraordinarily wealthy people. And look, if you liked... The White Lotus, the TV yeah. series. It's that kind of atmosphere. Okay. You know, look, there, Emma Klein's such a brilliant writer. There are themes in it that once you start being aware of them, the water plays a part, like swimming in the sea. Swimming pools are always a bit troublesome for her. But it's all about wealth, grift, uh, you know, I mean, social survival, mo- survival <laughs> social mobility, mm. which is fundamental theme, you know, in, in American uh, literature particularly. I, I I can't recommend this enough. It's just, it's such fun. It's fascinating. Um, easy peasy. I mean, it's a page turner. Okay, You'll sounds love like it. a perfect holiday so, read. So. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I hadn't heard about it, so I'm delighted now. And what, what would be your next one? And you've read all these on your holidays. Oh, so these are all my These are all guaranteed. These are guaranteed. <laughs> now, the next one is a Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. And because loads of people will have read her because remember she wrote uh, The American Wife kind of based on the Bush family sort of novel fictionalised and then the fictionalised Rodham Clinton. I love it, Rodham. That it, was my favourite. I, oh, I love her. Too. And I have, to, I have to throw my hat in the ring here and I know Neve as well. We both love romantic comedy too. So it's fantastic. Love around this now, table first. The whole thing about romantic comedy I mean the title romantic comedy and then it does exactly what it says <laughs> on the tin. It's a Ron Seal kind of a book. So the first 100 pages, it's sort of really in three sections actually when you stand back from it. The first 100 pages, it concerns this uh, writer. She's Sally, she's 30-something, she's divorced, she lives in New York and she's got a dream job. Her dream job is writing for sketches for this TV, Saturday night TV sketch comedy series. Kind of like Saturday Night Live. Well, you really do get the feeling it is Saturday Night Live. But anyway, and so all these sketches. And one of the sketches that she comes up with is, because she's looking around her colleagues, her male colleagues, the the comics in, in, in the group, and they're all sort of hooking up with these extraordinarily beautiful models and actresses. And she's just thinking, oh, my God, you know, these guys are nothing to look at and let this and look at who they're hooking up with. And she's saying, sorry, that would never happen in reverse. I'm just an ordinary girl. No fabulous, you know, hunk is going to is going to fall for me. And then drum roll. (laughs) <laughs> Noah, this sort of star. He's sort of he's a he's a musician. I wonder who he's based on. It's anyway. sort of be like I'd say I'm thinking of like Harry Styles, except twenty years on. Yeah. You know, sort of like he's the he's he's had that big career, yeah. and now he's just you know someone who used to have a big career, yeah. but he's so still well enough. He's well really known. well known. Yeah. He's 
filthy rich. Yeah. He lives in California. Yeah. It's 2018. They kind of, they have a little flirtation uh, on the set, but she doesn't really believe it because she's thinking, I'm sorry, the, the, the looks imbalance here is too much. Like he couldn't possibly <laughs> fancy me. So that's fine. And then COVID. COVID happens, she's stuck in her flat, he's stuck in LA, and they start this sort of... Let's not say too much more, I think, about well, okay. that. Yeah, because okay. I think, you know, we, we know the premise. We don't really okay. want to go on too much about okay. it, well, I would imagine. Well, what I like about it is, is that Curtis Enfield, she's taking the sort of your classic romantic comedy and... You know, the obstacles that are coming the way, people's uncertainty, the will they, won't they. Yeah. She does all that and she does it really well. And it is such good fun. Yeah, you're just in such a safe pair of hands with mm. her because she knows what she's doing. And she's so versatile, actually. When you think about her doing Rodham and her doing, yeah. um, was the first one was prep, wasn't that set in, in sort of pu- public schools in America? Uh, and she just, she can turn her hand to anything and she's decided to write this romantic comedy. And that's exactly what she does. And she makes us laugh and she makes us think and she's got that very great caustic kind of modern eye on things I mean I just lo- I loved it so much Mum did you read it? No I haven't read but, it But uh, you would also endorse romantic comedy Yeah when I saw it um, I couldn't have thought of a better summer read like I loved Radham so much I just think she's yeah. such a clever um, she's such a yeah. clever writer um, so I'd say it's a lot more than what it says on the tin as romantic comedy so I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it Bernice that's um, high praise Oh, it's fantastic. And you, you will not go wrong with that. Another That's another one. surefire, guarantee holiday reader. Guaranteed. I don't know if all the rest of ours will be, but so far, um, Bernice is two for two. So yeah. what's your third okay, one? Okay, <laughs> lastly, is this book I picked up. I didn't know anything about it. No expectations. Uh, now, I got a preview copy, so that's lovely. It is out in July. So it's, uh, it's called The Couples by Lauren McKenzie. Um, it's set in Dublin. Lauren McKenzie, uh, she's Australian. She was a screenwriter, film editor and TV and she started writing fiction only in 2017. She did creative writing in UCD, the Masters there and this is her first novel and it's fantastic. And how it came to be published was, if you know, the Irish Writers' Centre have a no- has a novel fair where oh, people yeah. pitch up their ideas mm-hmm. and then perhaps they'll be taken up. And this was. She was joint winner in 2021 and here it is. So um, what it is, it's... Uh, the story, the couples involved are three couples. The opening chapter is the book. It's Frank's 48th birthday. They're all 40s kind of something. Um, and they go to a big house for the night away. They need to get away from their kids. They want to let loose. They're, they've got kids and all that work and older parents and all that thing. And off they go. And then they just, the drink is flowing and then they kind of decide to swap partners. And... And that's that's kind of muddily described to the extent that the reader, you're not quite sure what really went on. But but anyway, it's all about the fallout of that. And I suppose what I and, and loved it particularly. Look, we've we've seen these books before of set in you know a big house, couples in a big house. But what's interesting about this is these couples are not old school friends. They're not old friends from university or anything like that. They met at the school gates, so they're very different. You know, in that school gate thing, you become friends with people who are, are very random. different from you, mm. really. And for that period of time, you're friends, and and that's what these friends are. They don't really have anything really to tie them. But they're friends, nevertheless, and uh, like they're, and also they're very different socioeconomically as well. Um, one of the husbands is a gardener; the other husband is a he's a doctor. Um, the, the, Frank, the main central guy, who sort of is the glue for the whole thing, he's a TV producer and he's really seedy. Um, so 
It's fascinating. It's just good fun. And what I, I, when I went back and I looked to see who Lauren McKenzie is, I thought, oh, cheapers. She's Australian and she really has got Dublin right. I wow. mean, really right. I and love the relationship it. between the couples and the stresses and the strains. Oh, it's I, I, I really, really, really enjoy cool. it. Cool. She's obviously got a great ear and oh, eye having come here. Yes. And sometimes it takes an outsider, doesn't it, totally. to come in and kind of see everything. Totally. I believed everything and I That's wanted more at all times. The couples. The couples by it's, Lauren McKenzie. It sounds as if it'd make a good TV series, Bernice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but but actually, no. you know the way sometimes you read a book and you think, ah, oh, that's just written to be a script. This isn't. This yeah. actually yeah. feels mm. like a really good story. M- meaty novel, actually. Okay. Um, and again, easy, good fun, page turner, really good. Okay, brilliant. Bernice, those sound excellent. Definitely two I'm going to go and get because I've read Romantic Comedy already, but thank you very much for those. And we'll put them all up on our uh, Insta as well. So, Mum, no pressure, but I think Bernice has like played a blinder there with those two yes. recommendations. Um, you know, I'm only expecting even greater things from, from <laughs> well, you. I don't know about that. And it's lovely to see you in the studio, Anne, because you've had your health issues and, and things have been a bit difficult, but you're, and you've had a bit of a cold recently as well, but you're back at, at it now. I am indeed, yes. Great. Raring to go and delighted to be here in the studio to see you all in person again. Um, well, I'm kind of bringing the tone down a bit in as much as <laughs> I'm not all frothy and gay and up to date but uh, my first book is called The Romantic and it's uh, the subtitle is The Real Life of Cashel Greville Ross by William Boyd now William Boyd is an established author and has written many books and it's kind of literary fiction I suppose and of course it's a big read it's 17 hours long because I listen to everything as you might know some of the listeners it's 17 hours long and 480 pages if you're buying the book but I absolutely loved this book. And it's not really the sort of thing I usually read. Um, it's disguised as an historical biography and it's packed with adventure. Uh, this guy Cashel, which is a lovely name. I never knew there was a name Cashel, but this guy Cashel is searching for himself. But in the process, he provides romance, entertainment and enlightenment and he happens upon Byron and Shelley on his journeys. It's set between ni- 1799 when he was born and 1882. Um, it's just a wonderful story and it's an adventure. It's a whole life story. You've got the whole life from when he is born in strange circumstances and all the travels that he makes. He goes all over the world. He goes to Oxford, London, Brussels, Zanzibar. And in Zanzibar, he, he meets Richard Burton, the explorer, as well. So he kind of, William Boyd has introduced real-life characters into this. And it's just a most amazing story. And I was hooked from the very beginning. And whilst it is very long, it really is a great read. And as everybody knows, William Boyd is an established, wonderful writer. Uh, I just love this book, okay. The Romantic. Well, the you're re- kind of keeping in a theme because we've got romantic comedy mm-hmm, and yeah. one called The Romantic, so that works. With this young man and his whole life story right to the very, okay. his death. It's just a wonderful story. And it story. kept you hooked kept to it the hooked. whole time. And I'm not really into that kind of thing, right. you know, but I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, what's your next one? Well, the next one is a bit of frothiness. A oh, little good, bit of good. Frothiness. I'm lightening the theme. Um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh. Have you heard of that no. one? No. No. Except I heard you tell me about it, so that's the only I've heard of it. <laughs> it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid, um, and it's narrated by three voices. Yes, incidentally, the uh, the romantic was narrated by Holbrook Smith, who did a wonderful job on that. But Taylor Jenkins Reid is the name. She's an American author, and it's 12 hours of a, of a listen. It's perfect summer listening. Not a heavy read. 
definitely suitable for the beach, but intriguing reader. You want to know what's going on. Evelyn Hugo is an old actress and wants to tell her story to a young journalist. But why has she chosen Monique? Mm. Uh, all will be satisfactory. Revealed oh, I'm into it already. I love it. <laughs> she has specifically asked for Monique to come and sit with her and tell the story. And so we don't know why. Uh, she's ageing and reclusive and uh, she's finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life, which is very intriguing. Good narration in this one in, in the different voices. Not a heavy book, uh, not great literature, but I enjoyed it. I mean, you wouldn't find it reviewed in The Guardian or The Irish Times, but nevertheless... Well, we could have a whole other book club about why that would be, which, yeah, it, you know, is not true. necessarily is a, that a good new book? thing. Is that a new book? It is a new book, ah, yes. Great. And it's interesting that we've never heard of it, Bernice. No, I mean, I you know, know, isn't it interesting all the stuff that comes out yeah. that, that you're saying it's really good? You you must have come across it on Audible or something, did you? Yeah, I, 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 I read so much. People randomly tell me, you know, yeah. when I read something, I just kind of go and go straight on to a, well, is it there? Then I check out the narration. I know. Because that's very important when you're listening. Sure. And uh, and then uh, I see. And it's not, it's it's lighthearted. It's definitely a beach, beach kind of a book because you want to know, you have to keep reading. Why is Monique the one that she wants? And this wonderful life and you can keep thinking of Elizabeth Taylor right. and you know this as your reason but it's obviously well written one where you wouldn't have oh, yeah. kept gone oh, with absolutely yeah. yeah I mean but sure everybody's great uh, everybody who writes a book is great Roisin well we, we do agree with that uh, I and do. also that's a good point uh, Roisin yeah. just because it's frothy and fun like of course it's well written you know what I mean yeah. Like, uh, yeah but I'm saying there could be frothy and fun that's not well yeah, written yeah for sure I'm saying and there could be yes. serious and literary that's the, terribly exactly. written as well I'm just saying exactly. you you liked the writing because otherwise I know mum oh, listening to it if it wasn't well written you wouldn't have kept going with no, it I so wouldn't. definitely not that's ultimately the yeah thing. and as I say if, they, if, if the Guardian don't want to uh, review it that's their problem I was just going to say it's by the. I knew I recognised the author's name. It's the same author as Daisy Jones and the Six. That's have you read oh, that? Oh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, yeah. which is oh, brilliant. Sure, that was a brilliant book. Yeah, because I have seen I... Seven Husbands on the shelves. You know, in the most red list or in the in the, in the most red list in Eason or maybe in the new releases. So I don't. I think people have paid attention to it. Ah, um, I've definitely good. seen it come up. But I, I actually, now that you mentioned it, Anna, it was one I wanted to. I thought it would be a good one for the summer, all right, because I love Daisy Jones. It was so much fun. Yes. Like, she seems yeah. like an author who's really able to have a bit of crack with a book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially if you are journalistic, you'd find that that bit of it interesting yeah. too. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So that's the, tell us the name of that again. That's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Brilliant. And she wrote that Daisy book, as you said. I, yeah. I didn't admit it. Which was a that. huge hit. So Absolutely. she's well known. I'm sorry, I should have picked up on that earlier. Well, thanks for that, Neve. Okay. Thank you, Neve. Um, and then this other one, which oh, blew me away, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsover. Another long book, 21 hours this time, 560 pages. You see, I have nothing else to do with But my also, time. you're on your holidays. You've got the time. That's <laughs> the thing. Stuck, exactly. stuck, well, I'm, stuck I'm in transit, yeah. I'm permanently on my holidays, Roisin, so that's why it's so easy for me to just pick these books up. Oh, my God, someone recommended it to me, and uh, I, I was so glad to have it. It's a Amazing book. Uh, the narrator this time is Charlie Thurston, who does a wonderful job. It's billed as a, a reimagining of David Copperfield. Uh, well, I'm not a Dickensian scholar, and so the connection between the two books for me was not that important. But for others, it it would be. You could follow, if you knew David Copperfield well, you could follow the exact way. But I just love Demon, Demon Copperhead. Um, King's Lover's Hero is actually called Damon Fields, Chris and Damon Fields. 
known as Demon and nicknamed Copperhead for his red hair. He's born to a drug-using teenage single mother in a trailer in Lee County in Virginia. It's not always an easy read. Um, and at one point, I actually had to stop listening because it was touching on subjects um, that are very personal to me and I just couldn't bear it. I just wanted him to be happy and the idea that he wasn't going to be happy. I got so engrossed in Demon. I, I wanted him to to have a happy ending in life. And when I, I got to that point, I was a bit upset. But um, like uh, David Copperfield, Demon strives to see above the abuse and impoverishment that he's suffered. I was so interested in the character that I couldn't bear for him not to have a good life. The narration was excellent and as it is told in the first person, that was all the more, you know, important to me. You felt as if Demon was actually talking to you, which is wonderful. And I, I really enjoyed that. It's an outstanding, stout, a really well, outstanding Well, Mum, you book. have really good taste because that just won the Women's Prize for Fiction, that book. Oh, did it? Yeah, <laughs> and um, it has a lot and a lot of fans on social media. I'm always seeing it being recommended. Um, and sometimes when you see that, you're kind of like, oh, really? Is it really that good? But oh. you would be the arbiter of it to me if you absolutely loved it, yes, I think. I know it's big. I know it's long, but it's worth it because you get so entranced with this guy's journey and the impoverishment and everything he's come from. So anyway, I would thoroughly recommend Demon Copperhead to everybody, even though it's a long read. And Barbara Kingsolver. Barbara Kingsolver. And if she's won a prize, well, fair play she to her. The she prize for it. women's fiction. Uh, had you you haven't read ride. it, Bernice. I haven't, no, and I do want to read it. So yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, let's come to you, Neve, as well with your recommendations. Thank you very much. And they're great. Neve, what's first on your list? Hi, Roisin. Yeah, so um, first on my list is one um, we reviewed together here on the book club. It's called Go as a River by uh, Shelley Reed. Um, and I know I think it got maybe slightly more of a lukewarm reaction from you than it did from me. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to recap, so it's about a, a teenager. It starts um, with Victoria as a teenager in the 1940s, growing up in a rural town in Colorado. Um, she's kind of become the matriarch of her household, um, a household of troubled, traumatised men. Um, and she's trying to kind of forge her own way um, through that um, and, and she's really having quite a difficult life, um, a, quite a heavy life until she meets this young kind of 
traveling man called Wil- Wilson Moon. He's a, a drifter with a mysterious past, um, displaced from his tribal land. Um, and he lands in the small town of Iola, where they're from. And Victoria bumps into him. And that meeting for Victoria changes the whole course of her life. And uh, as the, the blurb says, um, their connection ignites as much passion and danger and as many revelations as secrets. So um, it creates all of this uh, danger and excitement for Victoria. And ultimately, um, um, it ends up in in tragedy, and it's about her um, her journey through that, and um, the struggles she goes through, and uh, how she ultimately forges her own way in life, but the hard way. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about it, but what really struck me, what what I really loved about this book, and I I will say that some of the storylines are a little bit implausible, um, but I think. You can get over that if you really like writers who can write really well about nature and about the impact of um, the landscape of our home on our lives. So that's what Reed does really well here. Some of the storylines, as I said, are a bit implausible. I think you'll forgive this um, if the kind of breezy natural world, that kind of narrative um, is your thing. And definitely the kind of book I would be drawn to in the summer, um, especially here in Ireland when our season is so different and it does have such an impact on how we live. So uh, that's Go as a River by Shelley Reid, my first one. Yeah, I mean, I did really like that actually and I'm glad you brought it back because I do think it's a nice summer read too and it was. I think we all agreed that it really gripped us from the beginning and we, we were intrigued by the character and that we could see the world that she created was so vivid. So I, I feel like it deserves to be on the list. (laughs) What's next? The second one is Poor by Katrina O'Sullivan. Uh, This is, it's it's not necessarily a summer read, but it's definitely a must read. And I'm sure um, lots of you have heard a lot about it already. I know that Roshan has been a big champion of this book by Katrina O'Sullivan. And I really can't overstate how much this book impacted me and affected me. It's about, um, it, it's, it's written in the first person by Katrina. It's about her life growing up in really dire poverty. Um, her parents are both, um, were both heroin addicts and um, she is the middle of five children growing up on in a council estate in England. And I mean, the depths of despair that she writes about it's really affecting um, and it's really written really clinically. Um, it's a really brutal look at um, childhood poverty and addiction. She takes us through her story without any kind of subterfuge. It's not necessarily presented as a rags to riches story. She puts the focus on things that like the, the few and they are they are small, small, but really important um, things that clicked into place for her that released her from the situation she was born into. So um, she describes this really compassionate teacher she had as a young child who taught her how to wash herself. She goes on to get some counselling, um, state-funded counselling, which really helps her through her issues as a, as a woman in later life. And key to the whole thing as well is college access programmes, um, which ultimately empower her to get a, um, a PhD from Trinity College. So it's like... Just a fantastic, moving, really honest account of a life that seems so difficult. And it's just, I, I, more of you probably want to come in. I know, Anne, you are going to recommend this book as well. It really seemed to have a similar impact on you. I don't know, do you want to say anything about it? Well, absolutely. And of course, I listened to it and it's narrated as well by Katrina. It's, it is a very moving read and it, it just brings up um, 
all the inequalities that exist in our society, which are ongoing. Uh, and I, I also think, Neve, that it should be in every um, secondary school. Mm. I think every every person should read it. The people who are in private schools and the people who are in, you know, ordinary schools should all read it because it will give inspiration to both sides and maybe open the eyes to some people who, who can't comprehend this that this kind of life is lived by people and can be overcome. But it, it isn't easy to overcome it. She's a, a very special person, obviously, mm. Mm. and she just happened to hit on the right people at the right time. Otherwise, she wouldn't be where she is yeah. today. But. And, I, and I think the thing about Katrina is that she's very vocal about that fact, about that she's the anomaly, that she shouldn't be held up as some kind of, you know, this is the way everybody can turn out if they get the right supports, because that's not true. Exactly. It's not true in, it's not in true. people who aren't poor. But I think what she's done since and, and her whole work and her life's work is empowering young girls and women in poverty to access education, to do whatever it is that they, they won't all end up getting PhDs and they shouldn't. But just that... Poverty, the the inequality of poverty that we often people don't understand or there's a lot of victim blaming about people who are poor and that, you know, um, there was actually one review of Katrina's book that I think um, was very unfair in, in talking about her parents and how terrible they were and what terrible people and parents they were, which obviously they made some really poor choices. But her mother was herself a victim of uh, intergenerational poverty and hadn't had come from a place where she didn't know much better. So this kind of blaming of poor people and the kind of the people who get up early in the morning or the things we hear about poor people as if they're some kind of underclass and the way they're treated doesn't help anybody, doesn't help society, doesn't help us kind of move on and people to get uh, opportunities so, and she's also very good on the fact that the Trinity Access Programme, as it exists now, she wouldn't have been able to access it then. So things have changed within education and the opportunities that there are for poor people. So she's bringing up so much more than just, like some people would dismiss it as a misery memoir. It's so much more than that. And she is working, of course, every day to yeah. make things better for young people in her work that she's doing in Maynooth now at the moment. Yeah. And I, and she did introduce me to that word you just said, underclass. It's uh, it's work. it's below the working class, you know. It's it's so and and you're treated like that, and that's what you're. It's almost like a caste system. Like we think the caste system is only in places like India, but no, we have it here. We have a definite idea of what people are like when they're from that, and do they deserve it almost? And like you know, because we have this deserving poor as well, don't we? The other idea, and also, Neve, you said at the beginning there that um, you didn't know if it was a summer read. I I think sometimes we go on our holidays to engage with things like this because we kind of have the space to again. We have a place where we can think about it we're not just rushing we can talk to our friends who we're on holiday with about it and stuff so I, I think it's a it's a great choice myself and yeah absolutely Poor by Katrina O'Sullivan. Have you read it yet, Bernice? I haven't, no, but I mean, I, I, there was quite a bit of coverage uh, of it when it came out there and I was struck by one story uh, that she tells in the book uh, that was repeated in one of the articles. She, So she was lecturing in Trinity and she, she's always said, you know, she didn't really f- play the game of having to dress like middle class people. She just felt, no, she was herself. So she, she, she didn't feel that pressure. So... There she was. She was just prepping for this lecture. She was moving the chairs around, the tables around, just getting the room sorted. And uh, this Trinity student came in and said, uh, oh, sorry, uh, there's a lecture in here. You can't be cleaning now. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I am the lecturer. So, I mean, I just loved it. So Yeah, she talks about this middle class uniform with the flowery dress <laughs> and the runners and whatever else it is. It's very funny. And she was wearing her hoops, her yeah. earrings and her tan. And yeah, she's great. And she's just 
just, she talks the talk, she walks the walk. She's going to change things with that book, I think. And it's brilliant to see her in England. She's been all the programmes all over the place, all the festivals. It's kind of has much more traction than just an Irish book, even though, she, because she's English, but also because it, it's quite an unusual book, I think. So thanks for recommending it. Uh, it's definitely one of my Eve. books of the year mm. anyway. And what's your next one? Yeah, sorry. Eve? So my next one is one that's on my list. I haven't read yet, um, but I've seen rave reviews about it, so I don't hesitate in recommending it. Um, if not alone, just for the name. It's called The Grass Ceiling um, by uh, yeah. Ema Ryan, which is such a clever title for a book. Um, and I'll just read the blurb quickly for you. So what's it like to be a female in a male-dominated sporting world? If you play with the boys, more people pay attention, but you get treated like an alien. Playing with other <laughs> girls or women means you have to accept smaller audiences, diminished status and for professionals, lower pay. And what if, as is the case for this camogie player, Ema Ryan, your sport is a completely different name when women play it? What's that about? What if you don't <laughs> feel entirely comfortable in an all-female sporting environment because you're shy, bookish, you're not really one of the girls? In the grass ceiling, acclaimed novelist, Ema Ryan digs deep into the confluence of gender and sport and all the questions it throws up about identity, status, competition and self-expression. At a time when women's sport is on the rise, but it's still a long way from equality, it is a sharp, nuanced and heartfelt exploration of questions that affect everyone who loves sport um, so I think it sounds fantastic these are the voices we haven't heard from yet um, and like she says women's sport is getting an awful lot more coverage than it did before and I think that there's a lot more effort being put into that but there's so many nuances there that um, Emer is exploring in this book that I think for any woman interested or playing sport and who faces these issues daily, weekly it, it sounds like one we can relate to so um, and again the name is brilliant so um, that's uh, my last one Roisin my last recommendation brilliant for that's a great recommendation because actually we haven't discussed the grass ceiling on the podcast yet but it's perfect for us and we should probably have Emer Ryan on to talk about it at some point but I'm glad you've recommended it the grass ceiling by Emer Ryan I feel we're doing a great job here I hope I'm not going to ruin it now with my uh, <laughs> my recommendations but I Mine is an authentic uh, summer holiday read as well, Bernice, because I was sitting um, in West Cork in the house we were very lucky to be staying in, looking out over the water. And I, and this book is so long and so big that I, I spent the whole time reading it. But as I was sitting there reading this book from probably the first, maybe the third page in, I kept having to put it down and just to tell everyone that I was on holiday with how amazing this book was <laughs> and that they all had to go by. By the end of it, they were really pretty sick of me going on about it. But... Do you know when you just read a book and you just think, how perfect. It's over 600 pages long. I have to tell you what it's called. I've been talking about it on Twitter, so some of you might recognise it. It's called The Bee Sting by Paul Murray. Now, Paul Murray, as everyone will know, is the person who wrote Skippy Dies, which was a huge hit. A very, again, quite a big book as well, which kind of looked into kind of privileged South Dublin um, life. This book is set in the Midlands. It's about a family. Um, there is Dickie, who runs the car business. It's post crash so the car business isn't doing well, very well his very uppity kind of superficial um, wife Amelda who likes to go to Brown Thomas to get the sale for the sales and not even the sales she's you know fills her house full of the latest stuff and gadgets there is the daughter Cass who is um, an amazing teenager who is like the voice of the teenager is, is what starts the book because the book is separated into the voices of each of the members of the family and I don't know how Paul Murray I mean I suppose he's a writer obviously he's a 
fiction writer. That's how he does it. But it is incredible how he gets into the mind of a teenage girl. She's got all the usual things. She's got a friend, friendship that's a bit toxic. She's got all her struggles with school. She Her her family's life is imploding because Dickie's business is going downhill. She's trying to keep up appearances with her other well-off friends in this small town in Ireland. And then there's little brother PJ, who is a delight, who is just this gorgeous character, really into nature, you know, gets bossed around by his, his teenager. He's kind of goes unnoticed in the family, but has a whole other interior life going on and is trying to figure out his place in the world. He's only 10 or 11 or something like that. So these four people, we hear from them in this book, which is over 600 pages, as I said, which would normally turn me off. And to be honest, I didn't think I was even going to read it, but I did. I started the first page and that was it. From the first page, I actually think it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And I say that because... For me, and everybody's different, and reading, as we all know, it's so subjective. What you like, Bernice, I won't like. Definitely. This is not not saying that you're all going to love this book, and I'm just telling you I did, because it was so entertaining, it was so well done, so superbly told, so well crafted. Each voice from Dickie, who is this guy who should never have ended up running his father's car business, who should have gone off and had an academic career, who went up to Dublin to be in Trinity, but was pulled back for reasons you'll you'll find about in the book to to the car business. To um, Imelda, who we see as this very superficial character, who we realise her backstory, her life, makes so much more sense when we go back there and read it. To PJ, who's just, as I said, just a delight. To the teenager who's, you know, struggling like as we all did as a teenager to try and find out who she really is without the influence of all these other people around her. Um, and the bee sting is, is called this because of a, a, a seminal moment in this family's life that happens when the mother and father are married and it's sort of at the core of the kind of whole thing as it unravels. This family is almost having a reckoning. It's like a family that has got the microscope on them by Paul Murray and we find out why everything is the way it is, why it turned out the way it is. The last section of this book had me literally just gasping to see what was going to happen and my luckily my mother Anne, who's sitting in this room, had also read it. Actually, she finished it before me because I told her about it. She went off and listened to it. I don't know how many hours it is, Mum, on the... Do you know how many uh, hours? Oh, it's 25 or something. I don't right, know. Yeah, it's long. Listen, <laughs> but Mum ended up finishing it before me and she had texting me. It's one of these books. She texted me going, have finished, need to talk to you. It's one of those. So I hadn't finished. So I had to finish. And then we've had probably three or four conversations on the phone about different things that happened in it. How does this add up to this? Did you expect that to happen? You know, one of those books that you just want people to read so you can go, what did you think of this? What did you think of that? But ultimately, so authentically done that I still feel these people are real. I I think about them. They come into my head. I'm like, um, I just, and you know what? It's terrible. I went to the Boris Festival of Writing Ideas writing an ideas a couple of weeks ago and Paul Murray was there and say the guy over this him. guy will never like he'll walk the other way when he ever sees me because I'm sure it was fine in the beginning when I started <laughs> to tell him like how great I thought the book was but by like five minutes later when I was still going and I was actually pinpointing certain scenes and, like, and I don't do this and was a he lot backing away from you slightly backing, backing away. away I mean he said he had to, to go to a signing oh he didn't no, no he I think didn't. he just couldn't <laughs> wear it the toilet. you can only yeah. take I think he loved it until it just yeah. became like stalkery <laughs> and, and listeners 
should know that if they meet Roisin and ask to borrow a copy of The Bee Stink, don't. Because just before we started recording, I asked Roisin, could I borrow her copy of The Bee Stink? Because she's finished reading it. You'd honestly think I'd called round to her house and stolen one of her children. I mean, I can't deny it. I know my face would have dropped, didn't it, when you asked me? Yeah, you were horrified. No, this is a book that I'm just going to keep there and I might read it again, I might not, but the point is I need, it's like The Secret History by Donna Tartt. I have to have that there on my shelf Hmm. because I feel like this book about the way I felt about The Secret History when I read it, I'm in awe of this writer. Can I just say, uh, Roshan? Yes. As long as you're not going to rain on my parade now. Certainly not. Okay. I certainly not. I I loved it. I, I I had the pleasure of listening. And you said that the each person tells a story. We had a different voice for each of those Brilliant. characters. So it, that made it even richer and more wonderful. And it, it was something I just could not stop listening to. I wanted to know. And like yourself, I'm totally entranced with the book. Okay, I'm so glad because I know at the beginning I'm, you weren't feeling exactly the I'm same gonna as me. I'm going to have to like, cut yeah. this off. I know Roisin <laughs> is in fact in charge of this podcast, but we are going to be here all day if, if we don't move her on from well, the beast. Bernice, sting. seen as you are like a, uh, the presenter of the In the News podcast, Bernice, I'll allow I you to feel take I over. I have to because, I mean, anyway, go on. But, but <laughs> I just have to say, but it took him eight years to write this book, by the okay, way. OK, but I think Roshan is prepared to talk about it for eight years. So we just need to sort of, you know, not hurrying you along or anything, Roshan. There was actually something else I was going to say, but you're lucky in that I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> anyway, I'm t- OK, no, I know what it no, was. And I'll finish with this. Honestly, Bernice, this is the last thing I'm okay. going to say. Do you know the way there's all the book recommendations, holiday reads? Mm, that's what we're mm, trying to do. Mm. I'm telling you, you only need... One book. Okay, that's bossy this Roshi. Now book. move on. You only need to have one. It's a big, it's a big doorstop of a book. But at least you only need one because it will. You read it. You over two weeks, you still won't have it read. Yeah, it's very heavy to take. On I don't hold. care. The Beasting by Paul Murray. And I mean, if I had did you like else, it, Roshi? I liked it. Did you? Okay, just wondering. I was trying it's, to decipher. I was just trying to. Isn't it nice to be enthusiastic about something though? Anything else? Fantastic. Yeah, Anything I have fantastic. a couple of others. They're both equally good. I just, I don't want to downgrade any. No, they're not as equally good. That's an amazing book. The Bee Sting by Paul Murray. And that's the last I will say about that. Sorry, Bernice, you're so right. <laughs> I want to recommend as well Grand by Noelle McCarthy. We have just had her on um, the podcast, so I won't need to go on too much about it because pe- listeners will have heard about it. But uh, Noelle now lives in New Zealand, but she's from Cork. And it's just a great memoir. She's just a really skillful writer. It's about growing up with her mother. The subtitle is Becoming My Mother's Daughter. So she grows up with this very... Um, entertaining in some ways mother but also very difficult to live with because she has a drink problem and you know Noelle was brought from pub to pub as a kid you know and had to witness all of that thing and had those awful experiences of having to pour her mother's alcohol down the sink and uh, but it's also about how we kind of can't escape her past she did try to escape she went to New Zealand she got on very well in radio becomes a sort of almost like mini celebrity there and succumbs herself to the addiction that her mother uh, suffered with and the book begins as she's gone back to um Ireland to basically to her mother's deathbed and it's about that kind of journey that a lot of us take where we start to understand the threads between our parents and ourselves and the things we have in common the things that we'd love to reject but we can't or the things that make us who we are and she does it really really well there's one moment in this book as I said on the podcast that actually 
very much made me just I had a bit of a cry for 10 minutes I do like a book like that that sort of it's a memoir about her but there's a lot of universal stuff in it around mother-daughter relationships and so anybody who's interested in that kind of thing Don't look at me Roshan I've got a drink problem I'm looking at you because you're my mother not because you have a drink problem Bloody hell (laughs) That's the main thing that reason I'm looking at you You don't even drink anymore You're no fun You're no crack She stopped drinking to stop her as many of her brain cells the the ones that she has left to keep them there That's at least a good practice the reason to stop drinking, <laughs> isn't it? Anyway, Mother, I'm so glad you gave up drink because that we do want need you. We need all your brain cells on this book club. So for that reason, I'm very glad. Even though you aren't as much Thanks, crack Roger, anymore, I'm glad to have your endorsement. You were good after a couple of glasses of wine, even when you make them into spritzers. But now you don't even do that. Um, so that book, Grand, um, is more than grand. It's it's great. And the other book is like you, Neve. I haven't read this one, but it's on my list, and I heard her on the radio and I definitely want to read it because it's a lot of buzz about it. It's by an Irish woman called Caroline O'Donoghue who some people might have read some of her young adult fiction. It's called The Rachel Instant and it's set in Cork. She's a student work. Rachel is a student working at a bookstore when she meets James and it's love at first sight. Effervescent and insistently heterosexual James soon invites Rachel to be his roommate and the two begin a friendship that changes the course of both their lives forever. Together they run riot through the streets of Cork City trying to maintain a bohemian existence while the threat of financial crash looms before them. When Rachel falls in love with her married professor, Dr. Fred Byrne, James helps her devise a reading at their local bookstore with the goal that she might seduce him afterwards, but Fred has other desires. So begins a series of secrets and compromises that intertwine the fates of James, Rachel, Fred and Fred's glamorous, well-connected bourgeois wife. Aching with unrequited love, shot through with delicious, sparkling humour, the Rachel incident has been described uh, as a triumph. So I just love, uh, I love her writing anyway. She does that Sentimental Garbage podcast and she's a really uh, great commentator about all sorts of things from Sex and the City to the novels of Marion Keyes. Sounds great. Yeah, and it's just, it's great that it's in Cork as well, yeah. you know. So um, I, The Rachel Incident it's by Caroline. It's on my list, it's on my list. I've sounds bought fun. it in Audible, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, yeah, I'm glad you approve of that. Excellent. Oh, it just sounds great. She's a great writer. She's a bit of a, the Curtis Sittenfield kind of, sparkling kind of insights and fun and humour and all of that thing so Rachel Instant by Caroline O'Donoghue but my top 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 tip is Paul Murray beasting <laughs> oh really no <laughs> who'd have known so um, yeah I think those are all great recommendations and uh, are you have you all been on your holidays are you going off on your holidays just before we finish I'm going to Malaga at the end of July yeah. with my daughter Rachel is taking me. Roshi very kindly took me to La Hinch, but Rachel is taking me to Malaga. Mm, she's your favourite daughter now. <laughs> OK. Anyway, you love La Hinch. I don't know why you're dissing La Hinch. I'm not dissing it at all. Yeah. I'm just comparing yeah. contrast. <laughs> anyway, Neve, are you going on holidays No, soon? I'm not. Um, oh, geez, I'm getting married instead, Jess. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's no holiday honeymoon. <laughs> are you not going on honeymoon? Not till November time, so we're waiting oh, till then. I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but when's the wedding? Uh, the end of July. So four congratulations! Weeks. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Very happy for you. And what about you, Bernice? You said you read these on holiday. Yes, so. I away for a week in Spain in May, and uh, then just down at the country in Ireland in August. So yeah. 
not just down the country in Ireland. There could be no better place. I was just in the country and yes, it was probably no, exactly. one of the best holidays exactly, I've ever had. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even though my friend keeps hashtagging bring her home and slagging me off for taking holidays in Ireland. I think Irish holidays are brilliant Oh holidays. no, definitely, definitely. No, 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 no. That's that, I didn't mean that. No, that's that's where I'm, I'm going for a couple of weeks in August. So brilliant. looking forward to it, looking okay. forward to it. Well, I hope we've given you some great recommendations there and books. I mean, certainly books I hadn't heard of as well on the list and some I had. So I uh, hope that's helped and join us next time when we're going to be reviewing Margaret Atwood's Old Babes in the Wood. It's a collection of short stories, which I'm really looking forward to reading. So if you want to read along with us, do. And we'll talk to you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.